This is Dispatches from the Frontline, readings from the diary of Sister Nan Ray, who served for four grueling years on the frontline of the battlefields of World War I, read by Geraldine Cook Daphne. Nineteen fourteen, fourth of October. After a glorious night in bed, I awakened only to know the joy of being in bed at night. A real joy known best of all to night nurses. My breakfast was brought up to me, and then hearing that Captain Study was leaving this afternoon, decided to send my diary leaves home with him. That meant going out to buy big envelopes. I waited around to see Captain Study, said farewell and got his London address so that the home people will be able to arrange a little party in his honour. He has been very nice to me. This evening he paid a farewell visit to me in the ward, bringing me chocolates, chocolate biscuits and raisins for supper. And very nice too. The wards were fairly quiet, so B and I set a primus going and did some washing of handkerchiefs, etc. I have a deadly terror of primus stoves. There was something of a rush towards the early a.m., and we had a very late fixing up, as Captain W elected to do his wards at midnight. Some of these young medicos have a lot to learn. I put Captain W, the bill poster, in the front ranks of the really urgent cases. Bill poster because he spends his days, yes, and nights too, in posting up notices all over the place. He has a perfect craze for seeing everywhere slips of paper containing orders signed by his own beautiful name. 5th of October. On my way back from breakfast, I met Matron, who informed me that the AVH must evacuate the house of Dr. Dufresh by 6pm, the lease being up. Most of the patients were discharged, others sent to the annex. All day the staff worked hard to get everything packed up and the house all straightened. We were obliged to rise at 4pm and pack our things up as we were still living in the attic rooms there. We finally left at six o'clock. Feel very sleepy to go on to the next ward. 6th of October. A very sleepy morning. Peevish. Semois. Think I've had about enough night duty for a while. I always have loathed it. Went to bed fairly early, 11am. Slept till 4pm. Setu. Only about 12 patients left in the annex. The poor tetanus boy died at 4am. My patients very fretful. There are five very bad cases among them, two of which will lose legs, I am certain. Another boy is already minus a hand. So, it is rumoured that these cases will be transferred to Number 9 General Hospital, as we are to pack up at once and be ready to move at a moment's notice. Perhaps north. 7th of October. Heard this morning that I need not go on night duty, as there was only one case left, and it was Mac's turn to do another night. Went to bed for three hours, and then went out walking and shopping with Gabrielle. There was an impromptu concert at the annex tonight, and most of the sisters attended. It was not a particularly good concert. Really only two good items. Bed at 10.30pm. 8th of October. A very lazy day. 
Bea brought up our breakfasts and we had them together at 7.30 in our room. Afterwards, did some sewing and writing, some washing and had a shampoo. Did not appear until midday. After luncheon, Gabrielle, B and I went for a walk along La Plage and sat on the sands for an hour or so. We had bought some illustrated papers and learned more of the vandalism and atrocities of the Germans. Les sales boches. Three small, dirty children arrived and sat near to us and watched our every movement. They were rude little imps. Real gamins. Quite uncared for and too dirty and verminous for words. But they would not go. The more I urged them to go, the more they appeared to enjoy themselves. And whenever I stopped, after telling them they were very naughty and to aller donc, they just said, go on. It was their one bit of English. Learn, they told me, from les soldats anglais. Quite a useful bit, they found it, no doubt. We had tea at a tiny patisserie shop and ate more gâteau than were good for us. The new assistant matron arrived last night. She looks capable and certainly has had great experience. Was in the South African War. The only sister in Ladysmith during the siege. Had 50 patients. Tonight she, Sister Hardy, told us stories of those dreadful days. Her husband, not her husband then, was a chaplain there and is now at the front with the troops. 9th of October. To breakfast en négligé. Ce matin. Afterwards wrote letters, and now with Gabrielle and B, I'm sitting on the sands writing. It is nearly lunchtime. A most perfect day. We were told this morning to pack up as much as was possible and be prepared to leave at any time. For where? Je ne sais pas. Paris, Versailles. Who knows? I am rather tired of French people. They are so excitable, so unreliable and so dirty. The Dufresh hospital which we took over was extraordinarily dirty. Everyone scrubbed and cleaned for days to make it fit for patients. Now, Madame Dufresh declares we have left it most untidy and dirty. It looks beautiful, really. I think I have spoken before about the way we scrubbed the house, which we used as the nurse's hostel, and how we used bottles of Lysol on it. It was too filthy. And we were obliged to have all the sanitary arrangements fixed up. There is nowhere any convenience for washing or bathing. Apparently, they just don't wash. C'est vrai. And it is almost impossible to get any work done by maids or men. They just talk, toujours. One longs to say in good, solid English, For God's sake, get a move on! No. They just talk, 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 and gesticulate and do nothing. This afternoon, Mrs Cyril Ward arrived in her motor ambulance and invited some of us to go driving with her. About eight or nine of us went, and to my surprise, our hostess drove. The orderly chauffeur came too, at the back. Sister C.W. drives very well, and it was topping. My latest slang, à la guerre.
we were the admiration and delight of all beholders. It was really quite a thrilling experience. Our sister chauffeur at the wheel, with two other scarlet capes beside her. The others all inside with the curtains rolled up. A bit theatrical, but there was no mistake about the sensation we created, especially when we passed columns of Tommies out for exercise from the rest camp. We passed the camps, and here too was a general stir. After some conversation with French sentries, who were holding a barred road with fixed bayonets, we were saluted and allowed to proceed. Soon afterwards, we discovered an officer walking along in our direction and stopping. We offered him a lift. He was grateful and accepted at once. Thought our turnout and our driver were topping. After a mile or so, we asked him where he would like to be dropped. It doesn't matter, he said. But where were you bound for? Oh, nowhere in particular. I was just out for exercise. But this is fine. Do you mind? His frankness was so disarming. What could we say? And he was perfectly happy. So... Arrived at a most lovely watering place, Pornichet. White sands, dark rocks, sparkling sea and wonderful sunlight everywhere. Our young man ordered tea at a lovely cafe and we sat on the sands and talked. He learned who we were. All Australian and probably suffragettes and certainly voters. Asked him if he thought women should have the vote and dared him to answer in the negative. A delicious tea, toast and conviture, biscuits etc. Sister C.W. slipped out and paid for it. And when it was time to leave, the poor jeune homme was very hurt and crestfallen at the independence of the sex. It wasn't fair. He really was very nice, fresh and young. A Royal Army Medical Corps doctor. 10th of October. Up fairly early and thanks to Gabrielle's ministrations, had a particularly good hot bath early. Stayed indoors until 11am and then went with three other sisters to have morning coffee with Colonel H and Major D in a sweet little cafe on the Boulevard de l'Océan. Just arrived at the hostel again when we saw Mrs Cyril Ward in her ambulance car there and already several other nurses in it. We were asked to join the joyriders and quickly bundled in. It was another wonderful day. Indeed, this climate is absolutely ideal. Beats Australia easily. With Mrs C.W. at the wheel, we went along at a good pace, on and on through open country, villages, towns, pine woods, on to beautiful Le Bol, which is one of the most fashionable watering places of Western France. After an excellent luncheon, 145, we lay on the soft white sands and read chatted and sewed till 5pm. I made friends with the sweetest of baby boys, aged one year, and spent most of the afternoon in playing with him and chatting with his bonne. Of course, I pretended that the babe was Ray, just his age, and the dearest little dimpled mite who thought that everything, including my watch, was good to eat. He was such a pet. These seaside places are so delightfully gay. 
The houses are all painted in light colours with vivid greens and blues on the window frames and shutters and gay awnings and blinds and window boxes. The beaches too are so much more gay than ours, with the little striped awning bathing tents everywhere and the huge brightly coloured sunshades stuck into the sand, each sheltering its little group. I loved it all. I sat on the front seat with Mrs C.W. going home, and we did 40 miles most of the time. Picked up another officer for a few miles. Also thought it topping. After dinner, we had a mess committee meeting, and among other things, imposed a fine of one franc on anyone who offended by talking shop or making complaints at mealtime. A much-needed reform. Then, the treat of the day. Sheila's T had arrived. I must spell it with a capital. And I gave a tea party at nine o'clock. When we opened the package and smelt the leaves, we knew. And the making of the tea was something in the nature of a religious rite. But the drinking of it. Everyone vowed it was the best thing they had tasted since leaving Australia. 11th of October. A very quiet Sunday. Instead of going to church parade, Gabrielle and I escaped and disappeared along the sands and spent the morning there, sitting on the rocks. Chatting, mostly scandal, and writing letters. It was a glorious morning, fresh and hot and sunny, and the sea and sky were very beautiful. Some of the girls returning from the parade brought our letters. My home budget, which I was so delighted to get. Letters are one of the joys of life always. But here, they are almost one of the necessities. In the afternoon, went for a long walk, but felt so tired when I came home that I retired song supper. 12th of October, a beautiful morning. So four of us, after early morning tea, went for a walk before seven o'clock. It was fine and I ate a huge breakfast, but in about an hour I felt horribly off colour, so disappeared to my garret. B and I are sleeping in the garret. Spent the day in bed and felt much better in the afternoon. About seven of the girls came up and we had a tea party. Sheila's tea, of course, and some good cakes. Here, the French are unequalled. However, about 6.30, I developed a wild attack of neuralgia or neuritis, or part of a general chill, so it was diagnosed. The girls were awfully good. Fairly packed me with hot water bags, and Gabrielle, good as always, made mustard plasters for my neck. Thank you for listening to Dispatches from the Frontline. This project was directed by Naomi Edwards, read by Geraldine Cook-Defner. Original music and sound design by Zoltan Fecho, with producing support from Tristan Meacham and voice editing by Alex Defner. The creative team gratefully acknowledges the support of the Victorian government through the Community Support Fund and Public Record Office Victoria and Creative Victoria with Regional Arts Victoria. 
through the Sustaining Creative Workers Initiative supported by all the Queen's men. We would like to thank the Selman family and in particular Meg Selman for allowing us to use Nanray's diary.